What's up, guys, and welcome back to the DualSense podcast. This is episode 78. I am one of your co-hosts, Jason, and I'm joined this morning. Yes, this morning by your other co-host, Gigabit, also known as Travis. Travis, how are you this early? <coughs> oh, yeah? You woke me up from my <laughs> dirt nap for this. I did. I woke you up from your morbid, morbido tierra, whatever, siesta <laughs> for this. And, uh, you know, as I tweeted out uh, yesterday, we recorded, we tried, we recorded for the very first person, or very first person. <laughs> that is a video game uh-huh. genre. Yeah, we, we, recorded recorded for, for, <laughs> we recorded for Adam. <laughs> we recorded for the very first time in first, oh my God, in person, <laughs> in person. Uh, Friday night at your house. Thought we were really doing something. We uh, cracked a beer open and everything. We recorded two episodes, and then I forgot my headset. So that was a that was the fatal flaw that started it all. Wow, that was some rhyming there. So because I didn't have my headset to hear the monitoring of the audio, I did not know, and nor could you, that you were recording from the wrong microphone input on your laptop. It was recording from the built-in microphone rather than the real microphone. So it was a disaster in the editing room. So here we are recording again, and I think all is right in the world now with our equipment. But sadly, what that means is that we are going to have to scrap our favorite games of 2021 episode. Uh, There's just not enough time in the day unless we get some free time later in the week or something and we feel like doing it. We may throw it together real quick, but we're going to bring you the regular episode, episode 78. So Travis, for the uninitiated or the noobs here to the show, we are a weekly podcast where you and I get together every week to discuss all of the news, rumors, new games, and more in the world of PlayStation. We do it all in under 90 minutes and we post new episodes on all the usual podcast services around the world, as well as YouTube where we also post games, dreams, and clips. been posting a lot of those lately after I, like I said, I discovered that you can record while playing in 4K on the PS5. So that's been a revelation for me. So I've been posting, I've been going crazy with it. I've posted some chivalry, some insurgency, some battlefield. I recently put up some Far Cry 6 last night, a lot of that. So yeah, we've got that going on. You can also find us on social media. On Twitter, of course, at the DualSense Pod. If you want to connect with us, we'd love to talk PlayStation with you. You can also find us on Instagram and Facebook as well. And finally, we do have a blog. It is thedualsensepodcast.wordpress.co. And we uh, post the new episodes there as well. If for some reason you prefer to listen through a blog. So there's that. Now, without further ado, Travis, let's jump into the news here. We got a lot to cover. Let's start with. Number one, according to new confidential documents from the Epic vs. Apple trial, Sony plans to bring the PlayStation Now service to mobile phones back in 2017, even going as far as shutting down the service on legacy platforms like PlayStation 3, PlayStation Vita, smart TVs, and Blu-ray players to focus on PS4 and Windows PC. The documents revealed that Apple had insider knowledge of Sony's planned launch featuring, quote, a mobile extension of an existing streaming service for PlayStation users, streaming access to over 450 plus PS3 games to start, with PS4 games to follow, end quote. Combined with last week's leaks regarding the upcoming remodel of PlayStation Plus and PlayStation Now, codenamed Project Spartacus, and the recently discovered patents for a mobile phone controller attachment of some sort, 
have we perhaps seen what the future holds for PlayStation? I guess the two main questions out of this out of this point are one, why did they stop? Like what what made them quit in seventeen? Why not go through with that? And then the second question is how does Microsoft know this? Um uh, or Apple, mm-hmm. whatever. <sighs> they're the same thing to me. So no, they're not, but they are to me. It just makes you wonder like what did Sony see that made them quit completely? Like I don't I don't know what that's about. Like that that's really weird to me. Mm. Why not just go through with it? Because it seems like they had everything in line to just give it a give it a shot. But you know, clearly the veto wasn't what stopped them. They don't even like that thing. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So what exactly is it? And then when you see the new patent, you know, where you can put your phone into like the controller, they broke in half. That kind of makes you think, okay, cool. Well, like there's something there. It's you know, we've made a a Sony switch basically, but I don't know. It's odd to me. There's a, there's a lot of questions I have there that aren't really answered. And it's it's not surprising that it comes out in this way in a, in a lawsuit, but again, it's almost like you, we're kind of like halfway seeing behind the curtain, but we can't really see everything else. <laughs> Does that make sense? Right. Yeah. yeah. It's, just, it's just weird all the way around to me. It is curious that they just stopped seemingly abruptly, and it just it seems like it was far enough along. I mean, if they had launch plans that Apple knew about. And then it was obviously very late stage. So like to your point, what happened to kill it, to put it on pause potentially? And also to your point, it is weird that Apple has all this info, but for, for the main reason that they now have Apple Arcade on their devices, which we know, which didn't exist at the time. But obviously the reason why Apple had any knowledge of this is because, you know, it would be coming to Apple phones, for instance, Apple devices. but it is weird that at the same time they had insider knowledge of what would be a direct competitor to the service that they were working on, which is Apple arcade, which is now, which now exists. So that is, it's, it's weird in many, many ways, but it does make me wonder if this still exists and there are still plans to go this direction. And it just seems like, like I mentioned in the note there that, with everything that we're seeing and that we know in terms of the controller and that they're going to roll PlayStation now into plus and have these tiers. And based on the story um, about project Spartacus, it sounds like the highest tier is going to have game streaming from the cloud or something like that. So it sounds like that we're finally going to see this come to all of, uh, you know, come to mobile devices. And that makes sense. I think because stadia already does that. Not that that's really any competition, but, Xbox also does that. You can stream games to your phone with, I think they call it X cloud, like straight from your console and things like that. So I think that's just another step to compete, to keep up in a way. So we'll, we'll see, but I think it's a little, little glimpse into what is on the way. Uh, sounds like in the spring. Number two, earlier this year, a slew of indie publishers and developers publicly degraded Sony and PlayStation for how difficult it was to not only get games onto their platforms, but also how hard it was to support their games in the PlayStation ecosystem as well. Although Sony made no public reaction at the time, it appears that they have been listening. Website IGN obtained a copy of a Sony document titled 2021 Global Partner uh, Survey Results this week and reported that it defines three key areas of improvement that PlayStation will focus on. The first is, quote-unquote, reducing complexity, with Sony promising to, quote, improve communication channels, clarify who publishers should be taking concerns to, and making sure it's giving enough detail about its operations to its partners so they can make decisions, end quote, according to IGN. 
Second, Sony also promised to give all its partners, quote, access to better game sales, engagement, and promotion analytics, as well as improved discoverability, end quote. And finally, Sony claims it will, quote, modernize its tool set and improve its ticketing systems, documentation, and customer service efforts for partner issues, end quote. Sony has already begun addressing some of these issues as one indie developer, Akupara Games, told IGN that Sony support tickets are down to an average response time of about five days, and most of the time even less than that. This is from the same developer who previously claimed that they had a support ticket open for nine months at one point. Acupara also told IGN that following the public backlash over the summer, both their account manager and head of PlayStation creators, Greg Rice, reached out personally to address the issues. Any thoughts? Yeah, I guess I'll start with the bottom. Um, you know, I still think, you know, of course, five-day leeway on an issue isn't too bad, but I think mm-hmm. in the video game world, five days is still a lot. It's, of course, it's a lot better than nine months, if that's really what happened, if that's right. not an exaggeration, but you know, five-day response time is, a re- it's not a five-day resolution time, it's a response time. So that mm. could be a little bit, you know, especially if you're a guy who plays games all the time, that's that's a lot of time, you know, that's yeah. that's a week. So I'm sure they get a, a, an insurmountable volume of issues and claims that come in. I get that. But, you know, again, modernizing the steps, like this person answers and then it gets, you know, shuffled to who exactly needs to deal with it you know, those things will help, you know, expedite that process. So that's nice to see they're at least doing that. The fact that the survey exists means they've at least listened to the complaints. And, you know, as an, as an indie developer, that, that certainly makes Sony a more attractive partner because you feel like you're going to get some support, I guess. And then the fact that they're listening and trying to mm-hmm. fix things kind of backs that up. You know, it's more than just the money you're at least getting, you know. You, you feel like they're, they're there to help you a little bit. But the weirdest thing to me is how do you improve the discoverability? And I don't know how you do that. Like, yeah, you know, you could do, we you know we have the indie tab or whatever where you can see games, but then, you know, the question is, are people or are certain indies with more money, are they going to buy that spot? You know, because that doesn't really solve the issue. People, are they going to, you know, how do, you have to know what to look for. Like, unless you're really bored with nothing to play, I don't, right. I don't see people just getting on the indie tab and just looking randomly for stuff like that just looks cool and even then the decision is going to be on like art style or the title or the price or the size of the file like they're not really gonna how many people are going to see a game that looks cool and then sit down and watch gameplay like you're not going to do that for 400 games until you find one you like so i don't know yeah there's there's a there's a hurdle there that i don't know how they cross it but I, i mean it seems like they're working on it, so I guess that's really all you can ask for. Yeah, it's it's inherently tough to be an indie developer just by default because you're everything that you're working on a smaller scale for everything. You have probably little to zero marketing budget. You have maybe ten people, maybe working on a game. Usually, it's less than that. You know, the deck is stacked against, stacked against you. So it is nice that Sony has swiftly made changes to help these guys out to at least control the things that they can control. And, you know, because there's a whole, whole number of things that can go wrong or be challenges outside of just trying to deal with Sony and PlayStation on how to, you know, address things on the on the system side, on the platform side. So it's it's good that they've taken it seriously. It's kind of silly that it took, you know, a public backlash <laughs> over the summer for it to, to, to speed up, I guess, or to go that direction. But, 
you know, sometimes that is what it takes. The ticketing time down to five days or nine months is obviously extremely drastic. And, uh, but like you said, five days waiting on something to get answered or to be fixed is a long time uh, for anybody. I mean, you know, that, that stalls you five days. So hopefully they can continue to get better on that, but no doubt it's a lot better than months having to wait. And, and also to your point about discoverability, you know, it's, I think that's always going to be a challenge for indie developers. And in my opinion, one of the biggest challenges is that there's just so much bullshit on the PlayStation (laughs) store. And there are some, I mean, like this week, when we get to that, you're going to see there's like, there's like 25 games releasing or, you know, this week and some big, some small, and that's every week. And it's just, and sometimes they're like 30 minute bullshit you know, my name is Mayo Platinum Games, or they're like these three ninety nine games, and then all that is just mismatched in with maybe a proper game that's like a twenty or twenty five dollar game, and maybe it is a good indie game. You know, so you yeah. know it, it's an uphill climb for sure. I mean, there's you could if you had enough testers or enough players, you could create like a indie certified PlayStation thing where it's like mm-hmm. you know every week when new games come out, if if they pass a certain threshold, uh, whatever that looks like. You know they're certified. Then you can go there and say, okay, well, this my name is Mayo. It's bullshit. It's not on there. But then this game hmm. is certainly certified. So then I know it has some sort of legs to it or some legitimacy. But even then, though, yeah. you're asking them to hire hundreds of people because there'll be times where they need a hundred people <laughs> to go over all the games. So you know that yeah. might not be feasible either. Yeah, that's a good point too. With the, with the number of developers and games that come out, I mean, think about how much staff Sony has to have to sort through all of that and to you know, deal with tickets, et cetera. So there is, they, there are challenges on both sides, but Sony's also a very large corporation. So, but I do like the idea of like a curated, like indie release section or something on the PlayStation store that I think that would be a good idea. Number three, Sony announced the expansion of the colorway line for PlayStation 5's DualSense controller this week. Joining the lineup are Nova Pink, Starlight Blue, and Galactic Purple adding to the previously released Cosmic Red and Midnight Black colorways. The new color variants will launch in January, both in-store and online. Sony also introduced what we all knew was coming, PlayStation 5 console covers. The new covers will come in all of the previously mentioned colors to match your DualSense controller. The Cosmic Red and Midnight Black PS5 covers will be available starting in January, but if you're wanting one of the more vibrant colors, you'll have to wait a while longer as Sony only gave a vague first half of 2022 release date. What do you think? You like the colors? Yeah, I'm I'm more into the purple than anything, which is surprising. No. Yeah, I knew I wouldn't like the pink. I'm not into the the red is just weird to me. It's like too mm. I don't know, too striking in a way. Like it's just like odd. I don't I don't really like it. And I've you know, we've already had black systems, so I'm not really into the black, but yeah, the purple is interesting to me because it's different and weird. Um I still don't know if I'll buy it because I mean have they confirmed what the price will be? Yeah, that's a good question because what are they? Is the DualSense seventy or seventy five? Yeah, I don't remember. To me, it's like I'd rather just pay ten less dollars and get a white one. <laughs> so it's like, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. So I don't know that I'll actually spend money on that, especially if you know, if it looks like something that I could just like literally take in the back and paint it. It's it's not gonna right. Really, you know, <laughs> I need to see one in person to kind of make that determination. But yeah, the purple yeah. is much much more in my line than the rest of the colors. Yeah, I, I out of the three new colors, I thought the starlight blue looked the coolest, and but it is a little bit too light blue for me. But it is 
the coolest looking, I think. Uh, purple being second and Noah Pink being third. I, I don't want anything to do with pink. Uh, I do agree the Cosmic Red, which has been out, is... I'm not, but I'm, I'm generally not a fan of red. Like, you know, I wouldn't put red covers on my PS5 or anything. So to me, of the options we have available right now, the Midnight Black is my favorite, but I'm holding out for, like I've told you, the gray, the PS1 gray uh, covers and controller, because that is, uh, that would be epic in my opinion. And I really regret back in the day, not getting the 25th anniversary edition PS4 and uh, just keeping that in the box because that's a beautiful console. But, you know, maybe they'll oblige us with PS5 accessories. Number four, Ubisoft formally announced the long-rumored return of the Splinter Cell franchise this week. The new title is a remake of some sorts and is in early development at Splinter Cell Blacklist developer Ubisoft Toronto. It is being made on the Ubisoft massive Snowdrop engine, which has been used for the Division games as well as the upcoming Avatar Frontiers of Pandora, which I know you're excited about. Thankfully, Ubisoft also revealed that the game will in fact not be an open world title and will instead remain with the series and linear framework. In the press release, producer Matt West stated, quote, we're still in the very earliest stage of, de- of development and what we're trying to do is make sure the spirit of the early games remain intact in all of the ways that gave Splinter Cell its identity. So as we're building it from the ground up, we're going to update it visually, as well as some of the design elements to match player comfort and expectations, as we are going to keep it linear like the original games, not make it open world. What do you think? Yeah, like we said before, they definitely need to keep it linear, whatever that means. Open mm-hmm. world would be, I think that's too much to ask, and it's it's like too on point with what everybody's doing. <laughs> it's just like irritating. Right. Yeah. So it's nice to see they're going to at least keep it mildly linear, like the old games. And you know, one of the questions I I thought immediately when I read this was, you know, this engine that's used for the division doesn't really feel like Splinter Cell engine to me. Mm. The mechanics of the division don't really match with what I think the old Splinter Cells were like. It just seems a little janky at times to be stealthy, completely Mm -hmm. stealthy. As you've seen before, when on the division, when you're trying to do a mission and you're trying to be mildly stealthy (laughs) and like it just doesn't work so um yeah that'll be interesting i mean i know that just because you have the engine doesn't mean it operates the same way but you know it'll be interesting to see what that looks like aside from that what happened to the division heartlands it's dead it's dead in the water now so we'll never see that yeah it's it's been quiet for heartland and i wonder i wonder if they're i don't know i i feel like we're going to see it soon in 2022 because they were in that like closed alpha test or whatever that we saw leaked a while back earlier in the year so i feel like we're getting close this that feels like a, like a summer release to me but anyway as far as splinter cell i am glad that it's not going to be an open world title although our friend tom henderson said on twitter that he's going to have a story about that because he says that it's still happening so i don't know what that means and like you and I talked about, I does that mean that there's going to be like an a, another game mode mm-hmm. on Splinter Cell? Or are they going to have a free to play spin off that's like a Splinter Cell battle royale? All are possibilities, in my opinion, uh, for this. And one thing that I am a little bit disappointed about with this is that this is a remake 
of Splinter Cell and not a new game in the series, which I kind of find odd. And I don't know why they made that decision, but maybe it has something to do with the fact something else that has been reported this week that like Ubisoft Toronto, like they don't have hardly any senior staff, like they don't have anybody leading the direction, so to speak, making decisions about, you Mm -hmm. know, high, the high level stuff. So maybe they're like, maybe they don't have the ability right now to make decisions on like a brand new game from the ground (laughs) up. And it's easier for them to, to go and remake something that already exists with, you know, current with existing assets and whatnot. So it's exciting to just have Splinter Cell though in general. So we'll take it. We've been, you know, beggars can't be choosers, so to speak. So we'll see where this takes us. And it's exciting to have Splinter Cell back. Number five, new rumors of a bully sequel from Rockstar Games made the rounds this week. We've heard, we've been here before though, Travis, but this time the rumors came from none other than Tom Henderson, who also claims that Bully 2 was quote unquote expected to be a surprise reveal at the recent Game Awards, but something happened and it was postponed. Henderson also claims that Rockstar showed off a quote unquote playable version of Bully 2 prior to the Game Awards. He also stated that information was not 100% clear at the moment from sources before later adding that it may actually be a remastered version of Bully that is in development. Elsewhere, Game Informer's senior associate editor Blake Hester also claimed that news was regarding the Bully franchise was coming within the next couple of weeks, although he later clarified also that it was a story about how Bully 2 was canceled or at one point existed. So, what do you think about Bully? Well, like you said, we've been here before, and I, I don't want to be here anymore. <laughs> this seems like, you know, if this is true and they're making Bully 2, it seems like a huge mistake by Rockstar. Everybody wants... You know, GTA 6, I think people would even be less upset if they made mm. another Red Dead right after Red Dead 2. It's like, this just isn't what people want. And it's cool that you have an IP, but it doesn't mean you have to use it either. So, you know, I, I mean, it makes yeah. more sense to me that it would be a remake or a remaster because then, you know, you're still putting something out under your brand. So you're being productive in a way, but like to take people off of, gta 6 that they've already admitted is super complicated to make a bully 2 seems like something you shouldn't do so i i would say that if rockstar is doing this it wasn't made by the same crew that's on gta 6 it it must be somebody else another division or whatever but yeah that being said i it just seems like such a weird thing to me to do this i don't really understand Mm -hmm. the thought behind it necessarily but if what if what Blake Hester said is true and that and that this has been canceled, then what Tom saw that was a, a playable version was real. So that means at some point it's been canceled between then, which is also right. an interesting thought. Like what exactly flipped there? Because to go to go far enough to have a game that's almost playable that you can show off people and they expect it to be announced at a game awards and then for you to cancel it is odd. So you mm. know it could be interesting on both sides with this. Yeah, there's a lot of moving parts and a lot of unknowns with this. You know, like Tom said, it's unclear. Was what was shown off really Bully 2 or was it footage from Bully Remastered? You know, what was it? It also, I don't, I don't, in my opinion, I don't think Rockstar is capable of making more than one game at a time. And I don't think that they have really any interest in making anything more than Grand Theft Auto or Red Dead Redemption. And in truth, I think if they could just make Grand Theft Auto forever and get away with it, they would. But I think that Red Dead Redemption is a big enough franchise for them that they're going to keep up with it. So does Bull, is a game like Bully 2 or 
you know, LA Noir two or Midnight Club. Like, are we ever going to see anything like that from Rockstar Games? No, not in my opinion. I don't see how we'll ever get anything like that of their kind of secondary franchises ever again. So, to me, this seems like this is a remaster. Another, my theory is that this is a bully definitive edition. They probably are working on, based on what we know from uh, 2K or 2K Take Two Investor, you know, documents. They have a lot of games coming. Take Two, which owns Rockstar, which owns 2K, so on. So we know they have a lot of games coming, and some of those are, you know, remasters and whatnot. So I think what's happening is Rockstar has a bunch of definitive edition games in the pipeline, and Bully was supposed to be the next one, but then Grand Theft Auto remastered trilogy came out and was a mess. And so I think they were going to announce it because people have asked for something from Bully and then GTA was a mess and they're like, whoa, hang on, we can't do this. So I feel like that's what happened. I feel like eventually we'll hear about Bully remastered or whatever, Bully the definitive edition, probably after they put out GTA 5, whatever, next gen in March, we'll probably hear something about Bully definitive edition. They probably kind of went back to, to fix it. And I hope to hell they didn't have the same mobile game developer that Grove Street Games that did GTA. I hope they're not doing Bully too, because talk about a mess. Number six, more fuel has been thrown on the rumor fire that Destruction All-Stars developer Lucid Games is developing a twisted metal game for PS5. This time, a former employee's LinkedIn profile stated that they had been working on a, quote, unannounced first-party flagship AAA IP for the PlayStation 5, end quote. This, of course, follows rumors from earlier in the year that the studio was working on a free-to-play Twisted Metal title that is set to launch alongside the live-action series in development at Sony Pictures Television. Elsewhere, Lucid's PS5-exclusive car combat game Destruction All-Stars will get some major changes in the new year, including an overhauled user interface, improved post-match flow, new visual effects in-game, and more in an attempt to revitalize the game. Any thoughts? Well, yeah, I mean, the first thing is obviously, oh, we're trying to revitalize this game. That's interesting, because why, you know? Um, I'm not sure yeah. you can recover it, but we've seen, you know, games that kind of pick up steam after they've been out a few years before, so that's not that unheard of. So, you know, you can't really blame them for trying there. But that being yeah. said, they're the most likely and the most obvious choice to make a Twisted Metal. They already have sort of the framework, like we said before, uh, uh, you know, they have a <laughs> game with cars that you crash and explode, so it's kind of like, you know, it's all kind of there. They just got to tweak it a little bit. But <laughs> right. you know, Twisted Metal is a game that a lot of people love and have a lot of fond memories of. So they need to get it right. You know, they can't have the messed ups they had with Destruction All Stars. Like, like we said before, Destruction All Stars feels like you know you have this brilliant idea and you get like eighty percent of the way there, and it's just as good as you are. Like you're not any better. And um, mm-hmm. hopefully they don't don't fall short with Twisted Metal. But there's such a weird existence we're in that we see shit like this on linkedin people's linkedin profiles and their twitter or their facebook like it's just such an odd that's so weird to me like who cares that you're doing that in a sense it's like you're just doing that for crowd so what a weird thing it really is yeah it's i want i don't know if he did that after he left the company like he changed it to say that or if that's always been there because if it's always been there we're just now seeing it you know the the joke's kind of on us i guess but (laughs) It makes sense for Lucid to be developing a Twisted Metal game. I'd say that's a pretty much foregone conclusion. This is the second time we've heard this rumor, this time from a different source. So that's happening. 
like you said, they've got the bones for a twisted metal game. They have the infrastructure, they have the engine. It's on PS5. They're they're ready to go. It it makes sense to me. Hopefully they can do a better job with Twisted Metal than they did Destruction All Stars, but there have been reports that PlayStation was very happy with Destruction All Stars. So they must have some metrics that we don't have, obviously. There's also a rumor from a guy named Tidux who occasionally leaks stuff that ends up being true. He's on his, his Twitter name is Tidux. He's he's leaked some things in the past leading up to like PS5 and stuff. He says that he heard as recently as October that PlayStation was interested in acquiring Lucid Games to be a first party studio. So that's obviously many months after the launch of Destruction All-Star, so PlayStation can't be too uh, unhappy uh, with how Destruction All-Star has performed. The other interesting thing about this is that, and I, and I guess to feed into that, this guy posted on his LinkedIn that he was working on a first-party flagship AAA IP for the PS5. So does he mean that the IP is a first-party IP, mean, meaning that it's owned by PlayStation, or does he mean that Lucid is a first-party studio working on a flagship IP? That, to me, is unclear and interesting. I think it could go either way, but I think it would also make sense if they've already been acquired and maybe they're just waiting to announce it at some point. Yeah, so if if it's the Lucid thing, he's basically breaking an NDA because it's not announced. But right. is exactly. Twisted Metal a flagship triple AIP anymore? Like it was it was on PS2. Not anymore. I don't know about now. Yeah, exactly. Like historically, yeah, but now I'm I'm like, I'm like you. I don't I don't know about it right now. I don't know if that's I don't know if it's a needle mover. I think that's why it's going to be a free to play game because they they can't charge, you know, $60 for a game like that now, I don't think. And not with a game like Rocket League mm-hmm. or I mean that's a free to play game. It's basically the same thing in a way, sort of. Uh, you know, Destruction All-Stars free to play that is very similar, so I just don't I don't know. I think they want to make it popular. Obviously, they're doing a TV show. They're wanting to bring it back, but I don't think that they're certain that they can, which is why it's going to be a free-to-play title. So I'm with you. I don't think it's a needle mover anymore, but maybe we're out of touch. Number seven, the upcoming Stalker 2, Heart of Chernobyl, which will come to PS5 sometime next year, announced plans to auction off the rights to appear in the game as an NPC, as reported by website gamesindustry.biz, but there's an astounding catch, Travis. The rights were set to take the form of a meta-human NFT, which theoretically could then be sold to someone else prior to the redemption deadline, who would then become the NPC in the game. Developer GSC Game World stated that the NFT would include would have included the right to appear in an unannounced future game as well, so it could still be traded even after the Stalker 2 NPC appearance was redeemed. However, after severe public backlash, The developer had a change of heart and announced that no NFTs would be included in the game after all. So what do you think about we're heading down this path of selling NFTs to be scanned as NPCs in video games? Well, the the phrase meta-human is super uncanny Mm. valley and I don't like it. So So first of all, the game itself, Stalker 2, it doesn't seem, it seems fine to me. Like it's a, Chernobyl's a cool place to play within the video game world. There's a lot you can go there, whether it's horror or just goofy weirdness because, you know, it's literally cut off to the public so it can be whatever you want. Right. But yes, NFT bullshit is, uh, God, it's 
it's frustrating to me it's just easy i've been harping on this for months that it's just money laundering and it's perfect for drug cartels and rich people <laughs> that want to hide their money so they can't tax it yeah. i mean you really think about it that's what they used to do with art like you know you, you would buy a painting and it kind of you know it's an investment then it's a tax write-off and then this is the same thing except it's just like digital monkeys like so i don't get it but <laughs> Yeah, so they're going to make money off of you in the first half, and then when you sell it, they'll make money off of that. That's just a money grab. It's one mm -hmm. thing to have NFTs in it to try to be trendy, but this doesn't feel like that. This feels like you know, you're just being greedy for a game that you know isn't going to make a whole lot of money. This is a way to kind of push up your profit margin, I guess. So it just seems like it wasn't done in good taste. You know, It was kind of tongue-in-cheek, so... Yeah, whatever. They deserve all the backlash they got for it. So does whoever did that. Who did the, who did the who was the other one with the NFT? Was it Ghost Recon? Uh, Ubisoft. Like they deserve, yeah, all, that. Ghost they deserve Recon. all that too. So anyway, I, I hate the NFT mm -hmm. thing. It's just made up, and the points don't matter. Yes, just like whose line is it anyway? And so, I think the idea of selling the rights to be scanned as an NPC in a game is a cool right. idea, in theory. Like that's a, that's a neat idea. And that maybe that's what the metaverse, you know, shit is that we're everybody talks about now that doesn't make any sense. Maybe I'm too boomer to understand, but you know, that is a neat idea. Does it need to take the form of an NFT? I don't think so. I, I, you know, it could just be another, because like, for instance, if you, if you back a game on Kickstarter, there are many games on Kickstarter where if you pay a certain amount of money, you get at a certain level, you know, let's say you, you make a, $500 pledge on Kickstarter, you get the game, you get all these extras, you get whatever, and you can be an NPC. They're, they're going to put you in the game as an NPC. Yeah, you know, they're going to call an NPC, you know, Jason or Travis. So those sorts of things already exist. Do we really need to go the route of an NFT? Because that's, to me, that's not serving the consumer. Yeah. All that does to your, all that does to your point is fulfill a bottom line for whoever's producing that NFT. So like you said, they're going to make a fee on selling the NFT first. And then whenever it gets, every other time it gets traded or sold, it's, they're going to make a fee on it. Again, it's just like the, you know, it's just like eBay or it's like the auction house on NBA 2K. So it's just another way for them. Instead of them just selling you a $5, you know, pack of cosmetic bundle, mm -hmm. whatever. Now they're going to make money every transaction that takes place. They're going to make a fee. They're going to get that fee up front, but then when you go and turn around and sell it, they're going to make a fee off of that as well. So it's just money grabs as always, and we don't need them in games, but it's inevitable that we're heading this direction because all of these developers and publishers are obviously working on these things. So it's it's going to be like microtransactions, in my opinion, where there was a time where everybody was like, I mean, still people are are this way where they don't think microtransactions should be in should be in games, but there was a time where people were really, really pushing back, and we got them anyway. They're in everything. They're in every game. So mm -hmm. NFTs eventually are going to be the same way. They're going to be in everything, whether we like it or not. Number eight, industry analytics firm the NPD Group released their November sales data this week. Travis, overall consumer spending on video games fell ten percent year over year, with hardware sales down thirty eight percent from a year ago which is driven obviously by a lack of console availability. On the software front, Call of Duty Vanguard debuted as November's best-selling game and instantly became the second best-selling game of 2021 to date. Marking the 14th consecutive year, a Call of Duty game was the best-selling game of its release month. 
Battlefield 2042 launches as, as the second best-selling game of November and is the sixth best-selling game of the year to date. The top 10 best-selling games on PlayStation systems for the month were number one, Call of Duty Vanguard, followed by Battlefield 2042, Madden NFL 22, Marvel's Guardians of the Galaxy, Marvel's Spider-Man Miles Morales, which was number 13 on the overall sales chart, FIFA 22, Far Cry 6, NBA 2K22, Ghost of Tsushima, which was number 20 on the overall chart, and Back for Blood at number 10. Any thoughts? So if you notice, five of those games are cyclical games. We'll say four. I say I was counting Battlefield. That's, that doesn't count. But anyway, yeah. four of the top 10, so 40%. You know, it's COD and it's these video sport games. So, mm-hmm. you know, it's funny that COD and Battlefield had all this backlash and all these stories about how bad the games are and nobody bought them or played them. And there's still <laughs> one and two. The player bases are still good. Uh, for whatever flaws they have, they still have a demand. And that's kind of interesting because it's like, even with the flaws, are they still better than other options? Or are people just brand loyal in that, in that sense? There's, there's some questions there that I'm not sure what the answers are. And the same with 2K and like FIFA. On one hand, there's not really a competitor for those two games, especially right. since esports football just punted. <laughs> but are those games really that bad? Or is it just we see them every year? So it's hard to notice the changes, you know. So there's yeah. some thoughts there that maybe maybe are hard to answer. But yeah, so both of the Marvels games right there in the top six aren't or top five aren't very exciting for me. Cause now I'm gonna get more games and more movies. So annoying. Oh yeah. Uh but whatever, that's cool. Uh Ghost Tsushima being in the top ten is still surprising to me. A Back for Blood at ten is about right for that as far as I'm concerned. Yeah, I'm honestly surprised that Back for Blood is still in there. For the month of November, surprised that it's hanging on. Miles Morales at five, of course, it's it's always like right there, and the, as we talk about, right there in the middle or in the top half. It's been there since launch, which is, I mean, we're already it's a year old game, and it charts on everything every month. I would love to hear what the overall sales figure is on Miles Morales, like how many copies it sold. I bet it's astounding. Eventually, we will when they cross some big milestone. We'll hear about it, but. And the weird thing is, is that as we go into 2022 and as more people start to get PS5s, it's it's going to stay. This game is going to be in the top 10 chart for everything for two years. I mean, from 2020, November 2020 mm-hmm. through the end of 2022, it's not like going see, anywhere. That might be a record. I'd love to see what the longest top 10 charting game is. Yeah, that I w- yeah, that's a good point. We're I, we're going to get to that point. It's it's, oh, it's very GTA impressive. Five. That was stupid. This GTA Five, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, that's true. GTA 5, but GTA is not on here. All right. Number nine, Travis, we have a bunch of news nuggets as well. Feel free to join me here. First nugget, the beloved PlayStation Vita turned 10 years old this week after having launched in Japan on December 17th, 2011. It only, uh, only lived a mere 10 years before Sony was finally able to mostly kill it. Better than the Lindbergh baby. <laughs> Sifu previews went live this week with many outlets sharing gameplay footage if you're interested. Likewise, Guerrilla Games shared another PlayStation blog post about new enemies in Horizon Forbidden West. And then also Polyphony Digital, your boys, released a new behind-the-scenes video for Gran Turismo 7 this week that details some of the game's PS5 exclusive features like adaptive triggers. Adaptive triggers. (laughs) Sifu still looks cool, although I think it's going to be inherently difficult to play. Mm. It's just the difficulty of it, not necessarily the buttons. You know what I mean? Right, right. 
Um, and then the Gran Turismo stuff on the controller, that's cool, but like get a wheel like the rest of us and you know, be a real gamer. <laughs> it's funny when you watch controller racers, especially if you go into the subreddits, like you can tell they're on controller just by the way they turn. Mm. And it's the thing about the wheel is like it's it's inherently difficult to race side by side on a controller because there's no nuance in it really. So maybe maybe the adaptive triggers and the dual sense will change that. We'll have to see. But I, I highly doubt it. It might make them better on and off the throttle and stuff like that. But turning, you can tell because they like, you know what I mean? They'll like tap it and they'll yeah. turn, not turn, turn, not turn. Yeah, it's just hard to be consistently good like that. Yeah, I know, I know exactly what you mean. It's choppy. A lot of good previews out this week. I'm trying to go dark on Horizon Forbidden West. I, I don't want to see really any more about that. We're only a couple months away. I really wish would really wish they would just fuck off and be quiet for a little while. <laughs> Sifu looks awesome. Still going to wait for reviews on that. Um, not because I don't think it looks good, but I just want to I just want to make sure. It's kind of like Far Cry or not Far Cry. Kind of like Dying Light for me. Next nugget. Website gamesindustry.biz reported that Outriders developer People Can Fly has acquired their third studio of the year in the form of Polish developer Incubo SA. Incubo is a largely virtual reality developer, having been responsible for the VR ports of horror games like Layers of Fear, The Blair Witch, and they're currently working on Green Hill. Developer Vodeo or Vodeo Games became the first unionized video game studio in North America this week after studio leadership rec- recognized the formation of Vodeo Workers United. Elsewhere, Activision Blizzard employees are also currently working to form a union. How does the union help them? Because obviously Blizzard's doing it in, in response to all the sexual harassment and employee mistreatment. So I understand yeah. the employee mistreatment, but like, I don't know, sexual harassment is inherently difficult to deal with from an HR perspective of what's real yeah. and what's not. You, you almost can't prove it without video. I don't understand how a union necessarily helps them unless it gives them backing to where they can't be forced out. Yeah. But it, I don't know. It's interesting. To me, the biggest thing for a, a video game union, I feel like the main reason they're doing this is so they don't have to work more than 40 hours a week. I mean, that's just, I, I feel like that's why they're doing it. They don't want to have to crunch. They don't want to work more than 40 hours. That's, that's why I feel like most of these places are doing, they're going this direction. Next Nugget, mobile game developer Supercell. Had one of those come through here last weekend. The team behind the mega-popular Clash of Clans game announced plans to open a new studio in North America to expand into console gaming. I know you're excited about Clash of Cans. Clash of Cans. Clash of Clans on (laughs) PS5. Uh, Clash of Cans sounds really fun. Mm -hmm. Publisher Prime Matter announced a partnership with with developer Night Dive Studios to publish their upcoming System Shock remake. Chinese communist mega corporation Tencent has acquired Back for Blood developer Turtle Rock or Turtle Cock alongside its parent company Slam Fire Incorporated. The cost of the deal was not disclosed, however, and so I'll never play Back for Blood now, and uh, I'll never play a Turtle Rock game. Thanks for trying. Yeah. Have you seen how big Turtle Cocks are? <laughs> Probably pretty pretty fitting for these guys after they sold out to the communists. Yeah, I feel like they got to be really big cocks anyway. Yeah. <laughs> Next nugget, website PushSquare reported that Ian Hetherington, the founder of Imagine Software, Cygnosis, and Evolution Studios, has passed away after battling an illness. Sony acquired his studio, Cygnosis, in 1993, which then became Sony Liverpool, and they went on to develop Wipeout for the Western launch of the original PlayStation. In 1998, Hetherington left Sony Liverpool and founded Evolution Studios, the team behind the MotorStorm Racing series, RIP. 
Pornhub released their 2021 year in review stats this week, Travis, and it revealed that once again, PlayStation users were the ones using their consoles the most for adult entertainment, the wankers. Traffic to the site from PS4 and PS5 increased 17.6% year over year, and PlayStation makes up 60.6% of overall site traffic from video game consoles. PlayStation Vita, meanwhile, still provides 2.2% of traffic from game consoles to Pornhub, which is down 75.7% year over year. It's really dying. The most searched game on the site was Fortnite, followed by Minecraft, which moved up two places, with Overwatch having gone a bit flaccid and dropping down to third this year. Unsurprisingly, Lara Croft was the most searched video game character, but for some godforsaken reason, you sick people, Super Mario was the third most searched video game character of 2021. What's wrong with people? <laughs> Never occurred to me to use my PlayStation to watch porn. Like, it seems like the best way to fuck it up with, with a virus or something like that. It, it really does. Do you think the Lara Croft has the pointy tits like in the original game? <laughs> yeah, somebody put like those little like paper cone cups in just so they can look like that. Yeah, the polygonal <laughs> titties. The thing is, is I'm I'm just curious, like, like Fortnite porn, like, are they building yeah. rapidly building walls while they're having sex and like they're just floating into the air? <laughs> I don't know. I could you open up a loot yeah. box and there's like sex toys in it. I I don't know. I just have a lot of questions. Oh, I, same. I have many many questions. I didn't even know this was a thing that you could just search video games on there and expect to find something worthwhile. I just yeah. don't understand that. Imagine Minecraft, they all just have square heads. Like do they wear paper mache heads. Like <laughs> also, why are people looking up Super Mario porn? Like I don't know. Maybe you think they just want the world's most famous plumber to clean their pipes out or what? Yeah, I just to imagine what it looks like. Yeah. They definitely wear fake mustaches. Maybe Luigi comes in, he's mm-hmm. pissed off because it's his wife. Like mm. I guess I don't know. Yeah. Yeah, they're just cream pie and Mrs. Peaches or whatever, Miss Peach. Mm-hmm. So, Bowser anyway. claps in the background. <laughs> All right, let's move on. Next nugget: Square Enix has temporarily suspended sales of Final Fantasy XIV, going to or due to ongoing server issues following a sudden surge in user numbers. A new update for action RPG Tales of Arise has added save transfer between PS4 and PS5. Sony launched a new website this week focused on detailing the accessibility features and functions of both its consoles and first-party games. A group of coders jailbroke the PS4 firmware this week, although it will inevitably be patched by Sony. The hack does also compromise the PS5 firmware as it could theoretically be hacked in the same way. A new Assassin's Creed Valhalla update has added new Odyssey and Valhalla crossover stories, new difficulty options, and reduces the file size on all consoles to support future expansions, like the Dawn of Ragnarok expansion, which was announced this week as well, and it will cost $40 and it will not be included in the game's season pass. That's an absolutely stupid amount of money for an expansion for a game, but whatever. <laughs> right, yeah, just buy this. Yeah, it's a, it's a whole other game at this point. Yeah, it really is a whole other game. Next nugget, 2D hand-drawn action exploration game, see Metroidvania, Eterna Noctis, released on PS5 this week. Black and white side-scrolling 2.5D samurai action game, Trek to Yomi. Release a new gameplay trailer this week and it looks dope. It's targeting a spring release on both PS4 and PS5. Upcoming PS5 exclusive for Spoken will have three graphical modes at launch. A default mode which runs 4K at 30 frames per second. A performance mode running 1440p at 60 frames per second. And a ray tracing mode which will likely run at 30 frames per second at a lower resolution although it was not explicitly stated. 
four minutes of raw gameplay footage were also released this week if you're interested. I'm still not 100% sold on that game. Something looks kind of basic about it. I'm not sure. <laughs> it's a cookie cutter. Yes, it is. That I think, yeah, I think that's my problem with it. It's like the combat looks cool, but like at the same time, it looks very plain. I don't know. Next nugget, city building management game City Skylines will get a new airport DLC on January 25th. Guerrilla Games shared in-game screenshots from the PS4 version of Horizon Forbidden West. If you're curious what type of experience you'll be getting, be getting on the last-gen system. Sony revealed the Uncharted official movie poster this week featuring Tom Holland and Mark Wahlberg. I almost said Tom Selleck there. Did you see the poster? <laughs> yeah, it looks like a movie. Yeah. it. Uh, I don't know. We'll see. I, I have a little bit of hope, but I'm, not, I'm also well, like Forspoken. I'm not convinced. Next nugget, The Ring, will come to asymmetrical multiplayer horror game Dead by Daylight in March. Battlefield 2042 received a limited-time portal mode that pits 32 players against each other as Santas versus Elves. Farming Simulator 22 has received a free update on PS4 and PS5 that added 16 new vehicles and tools to the game. Developer Calypso Media will release a native PS5 version of strategy management game Tropico 6 on March 31st. Actor Danny Trejo has arrived in Far Cry 6 via a couple of free missions added to the game. Completing the missions unlocks a motorcycle with a sidecar that has a Gatling gun on it. Website PlayStation Lifestyle reported that PlayStation Studio Nix's software has already begun work on PlayStation PC titles, having recently assisted with the latest Horizon Zero Dawn patches. Capcom has abandoned the trademark for a multiplayer Dino Crisis game after filing for the mark in January of 2020. And on a similar note, Ubisoft has refiled the trademark application for Splinter Cell, of course. Sony filed a patent earlier this year for a system to process quote-unquote disruptive behavior in multiplayer games and to take action against abusive players and cyberbullies. Remedy Entertainment confirmed that Alan Wake 2 will remain a third-person game and that the original cast will return to reprise their roles. Website PlayStation Universe reported that the following games received update patches this week. Grand Theft Auto V. Ark Survival Evolved, The Elder Scrolls V Skyrim, Anniversary Edition, Beat Saber, Farming Simulator 22, Riders Republic, Ghost of Tsushima Director's Cut, Call of Duty Vanguard, Destiny 2, Overwatch, and Apex Legends. So if you've been waiting for something to be fixed, now's the time to check it out. Aniplex, a Sony-owned company, has acquired mobile developer Delightworks. Delightworks are the creators of one of the most popular mobile games in the trap or in the Travis in the world. Travis, Fate Grand Order, and they will no doubt play a role in PlayStation's mobile initiative moving forward. Battlefield 2042 has received 64 player modes for a limited time on PS5 in both Conquest and Breakthrough modes. Subnautica Below Zero writer Zaire Lanier has joined Naughty Dog as a writer. Supermassive Games, the developer of the Dark Pictures Anthology and Until Dawn, is developing a multiplayer project based on new job listings. And uh, Colin Moriarty from uh, Sacred Symbols said that he has been told that they have signed a an agreement with 2K or Take-Two to produce a game. So I'm wondering if they're making a multiplayer game for uh, mm-hmm. Take-Two of some sort. Dr. Disrespect has co-founded a new AAA game development studio called Midnight Society alongside other Call of Duty and Halo franchise veterans. Elden Ring spoilers have leaked online after the recent beta test was data mined for a multitude of files, so be careful out there. 
CD Projekt Red has settled its investor lawsuit for a mere 1.85 million US dollars this week. So for fuck all, Nothing. basically. A recent Sony tech demo for an 8K OLED VR headset apparently featured Gran Turismo 7 in some capacity, although this headset is not PSVR 2, and it's instead a device being designed for communications and medical training, apparently. Sony Interactive Entertainment filed a trademark in the U.S. for the Order 1886, sparking speculation that perhaps there is, a, there is hope for a sequel after all, but it's more likely just to keep the rights to the game's name. Ghostbusters actor Ernie Hudson let it slip that both he and Dan Aykroyd will appear in the rumored Ghostbusters game in development at developer Ilphonic. Social hub free-to-play title Rec Room is now available natively on PS5. 3D puzzle platformer Lumote, the Master Mote Chronicles, will launch on <laughs> PS4 in early 2022. Website Gamatsu reported that turn-based isometric tactical RPG Reverie Knights Tactics will launch on PS4 on January 25th. Anime fighting game Phantom Breaker Omnia will launch on PS4 on March 15th. Story-driven RPG Circus Electrique was announced for PS4 and PS5. It will launch sometime in 2022. Dating sim rhythm and narrative adventure game hybrid After Love EP was announced for PlayStation platforms and it will launch sometime next summer. Action sports game Windjammers 2 will launch on PS4 on January 20th. River City Girls 2 will release on PS4 and PS5 sometime next summer. Skateboarding action platformer Ollie Ollie World will launch digitally on PS4 and PS5 on February 8th. Spirit Fair Farewell Edition is out now on PS4 and marks the end of post-launch support for the indie title from Thunder Lotus, which has sold more than 1 million copies. Interactive fiction game Behind the Frame, The Finest Scenery, will release on PS4 sometime in the spring. Multiplayer arena brawler Gigabash has added a PS5 version and will launch on both PS4 and PS5 in early 2022. Developer Red Candle Games announced action platformer Nine Souls, but no platforms or release date were given. Action RPG Chris Tells received a new update, which added a new playable character, a new dungeon, improved Colosseum, and a new ending. It's weird to change the ending of the game after the fact. Top-down arcade racer Circuit Superstars will come to PS4 on January 27th. A, and a physical edition of Five Nights at Freddy's Security Breach will release on PS4 and PS5 on March the 15th. And that is all for the news this week. And I'll turn it over to Travis for a long list of new releases. On the 13th, we have Guardian of Lore, Ice Cream Break, a Universe, Doctors, and Nurses. Shovel Knight Pocket Edition. On the 14th, we have Among Us, Asteroids Recharged, Pray for the Gods, Puzzling Pieces. On the 15th, we have Eterna Noctis, Mm -hmm. Castle on the Coast, Death Smiles, King Leo, Tanks vs. Tanks PvP, and Too Crude. Mm. On the 16th, we have Blackbird, Crazy Athletics, Far Cry 3, Blood Dragon, <laughs> Five Nights at Freddy's, Security Breach, Lotus Reverie, First Nexus, Moon, and Record of Lodos War. And on the 17th, mm. we have Circus Pocus, Dynabomb, Forgotten Hill Delusion, Ice Cream Break, <laughs> Head to Head, Ruined King, A League of Legends Story. Train Station Simulator, V-Rock, and World Quiz. 
not really a very good week. Nothing really big. Some some silly silliness in there, it sounds like. I don't even know what the biggest... I guess Among Us is the biggest game. I'm not sure. There's really nothing. I mean, right. I don't know. Train, train, sta- train Station Simulator. That's a... Uh, get hyped about that i guess i there's two different ice cream break games apparently i don't know mm-hmm. one for ps5 one for ps4 okay mm-hmm. far cry 3 blood dragon that was a piece of dlc for that game that they released standalone uh, pray for the gods is like a shadow of the colossus clone i will say eterna noctis on ps5 that looks like a cool game let me check that one out i don't know i gotta look and see what it got reviewed but anyway yeah there's quite a few games this week but not a whole lot of quality so Anyway, let's start to wrap things up here, Travis, as we always do, by discussing what we've been playing and anything we're looking forward to. What do you got? Uh, I played a little 2K, but nothing crazy. I think I just put in the codes, but nothing there is is really exciting right now for me. But the new Domination looks interesting, so I'll probably give that a go. Yeah. And then we played some Battlefield. Um, the new updates are a lot better, though. The, the vehicles seem a lot more balanced than they did before. Mm-hmm. And I still managed to get killed by them and never see them. Like the, what do they call like the LVAT or whatever? Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I just don't see them sometimes. <laughs> or I see them and think it's on our team. And then I just get absolutely destroyed. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and the Blackbirds are still like, it's, but that's with any Battlefield game. Like if you're really good in the helicopter, like you can pretty much control a lot of the map. I don't really think you can fix that because it seems like that's fairly realistic to me. Sure. Um, but yeah, but the guns are the guns are getting better and more balanced. Um the lever action rifle is a lot of fun. Um I unlocked a new like I guess a holographic sight, so that helped a lot with sort of my aim because I was like all over the place. <laughs> but I still I haven't played the game enough yet to not have like the jerk reactions, you know what I mean? Like where you see something and you just like Yeah. Aim away over their head. So hopefully that'll that'll kinda come out. But yeah, it's I still enjoy the game. Yeah. I I still haven't figured out like the leading of shots on the game. You know what I'm saying? Like how far to lead to shoot. So I'm all over the place in my shooting as well. But uh, we did play some of that and I still like it a lot. I think the updates that they've done are significant and it's helped the game a lot. So I'm a fan of it still. I I uh, I don't have an issue with it or at least don't have some of the issues that with it that other people right. do. No, I did play a little bit of NBA this week. Um, I don't think I played any in the league. I just kind of dabbled put the codes in like you said i did play one game in the new domination uh because you get it's uh, the reward is manu ginobili so i would like to have him but uh i don't know i kind of like you nba is not really like pulling at me right now mostly because of the the new season reward stuff are kind of lame mm-hmm. as far as the players but also played some far cry six this week I uh, put up like 60 minutes of gameplay on the YouTube channel and I did get, I got to tell you, I did get frustrated with it. I was playing some story missions and I'm, I think I just suck at it. Like I'm not good, which is weird to not be good at a Far Cry game, but like no matter what I do, like I cannot stay in stealth. And once you like alert, you know, a base or whatever, like it's just all hell breaks loose and you get tanks, you get helicopters and it's like, I don't know, I'm, I'm kind of frustrated with it, but, mm-hmm. uh, Maybe I just need to get good or figure out how better to be stealthier. Um, but then I also played Insurgency Sandstorm this week. Really love that game. It's uh, it's a great change of pace. It's a in terms of a uh, playing a shooter. Uh, just love the the gun variety on there. How how they sound, how they shoot. 
and I haven't played competitive on there really yet, like PvP. I've just been playing the co-op stuff, and it's like a much better version of like Terrorist Hunt from like the Rainbow Six games, which I love. I know you've bought that. I think we need to play that uh, mm-hmm. at some point soon here, so you can check that out. I think you'll like it a lot. And the last thing I played was Death's Door, um, the indie kind of like Zelda-like game. And uh, it's a fantastic game. I still haven't beaten like the first like real boss, which is like a witch. Um, <laughs> but there's a lot of things that I appreciate about that game. The art style is cool. The music is awesome. And um, there's just, a, there's the way it's designed, there's secrets that like, I don't know, it impresses me that they're there right in front of me. And there's some things that I like, I'm discovering that I didn't even know you could do. Like, for instance, I'm in the witch's manor or whatever. And the floors are marble floors and and everything. So everything reflects. And what I didn't realize until like halfway through is that there are things you can see in the floor, like levers and like pots you can break and stuff like that, that you can't see, like, I guess, just in plain sight. So you have to be looking for the reflection in the floor and you can find like hidden areas and things like that. So I think stuff like that's cool. I think it's really well done and well designed. It's not frustrating. It's just like cool when you find the stuff. So, uh, yeah, I really like the game. It's it it didn't catch me by surprise, but I'm glad that it is as good as everybody says it's it, it was. So, uh, but yeah, that's about it uh, for me, and that's it for us. We'll get out of here. If you guys enjoyed the show, don't forget to subscribe so that you never miss an episode. Also, if you would like or review or rate heart thumbs up whatever on whatever platform you're on we would very much appreciate that also if you would be kind enough to share us with a friend or a loved one who may enjoy playstation podcasts like this where they can get all the week's news in less than 90 minutes we'd be much appreciative and uh, also just a reminder that we will not have a new episode next week which would be the monday right after christmas we won't have a new one for you we may figure out something to do like maybe post an, an old episode or something i don't know or maybe we'll surprise you with a new with a new episode um but don't don't bet on it don't don't plan on it so we'll be back uh the following week which will be right after the new year and uh with some more playstation news for you so take care have a great holiday and uh a great new year and we'll talk at you next time Bye bye